turn right to the word this morning. Amen. Thank you for the specials and all the effort and labors. I appreciate that so much. It's good to have Brother Timothy here with us. And, uh, you know, you, you probably didn't expect on a Saturday morning at camp to hear from someone's theophany body. So here we are this morning. You know, I knew after Wednesday night, Brother uh, Timothy was a man of faith. But after uh, last night, I knew he believed in miracles. So uh, I think he's counting on the rapture as his weight loss program. So uh, we can get people saved with that, brother. Glory. Before we go to the word this morning, I want to read a quote Brother Branham uh, had out of Letting Off the Pressure in 1962. He said, it's just becoming a neurotic age. Everyone's all built up. Haven't got no time. And that builds up to a place that it breaks up things. It causes people to have hard feelings when they snap off and say things you don't mean to say. But Abraham says, now everyone's guilty of it. But Abraham says, I'm guilty. We're all guilty. We do things under pressure we wouldn't do otherwise. So there's an excess pressure built up today, he says. I believe before I go any further, I might say this. I believe it's the enemy coming down and pressing. I believe it's the devil. And we know the coming of the Lord is at hand. And the Bible said in the last days that the devil would go about like a roaring lion. Brother Bram, watch this next part. And he says, if he can get you under pressure, hurrying, running over something, you'll make decisions that you wouldn't have made, you wouldn't have made it if you'd sat down and thunk it over. So with that on our hearts, let's just turn to the scripture, Second Chronicles chapter 9. We'll come back to that quote just in a little bit. Second Chronicles chapter 9. Thank you to Brother Josh Gerland for letting me borrow his belt this morning. These theophany bodies, it's hard to find clothes that fit you. So forgot mine, so bless him, Lord. Second Chronicles chapter 9, verse 1. I've got to watch myself, though, Brother Timothy still has the microphone tonight. And I, know, I know what he's going to come at me for. I know it. Oh, my. Second uh, Chronicles, sorry, chapter 9, verse 1. And when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon, she came to prove Solomon with hard questions at Jerusalem, with a very great company and camels that bear spices and gold in abundance and precious stones. And when she had, was come to Solomon, she communed with him, with him of all that was in her heart. Verse 2. And Solomon told her, all her questions. And there was nothing hid from Solomon, which he told her not. This morning, with the help of the Lord, we want to take a little subject, questions without answers. Let's bow our heads this morning. Heavenly Father, it's good to be back in your house. Another privileged time that we can come together and have this camp services. Lord, it's always a special time, especially for me, a winter camp of what you've done for me even years ago. At this, in this little building on a Saturday evening, oh God. So as we come to these sacred times, these sacred moments, 
These sacred sands, Lord, pray you just once more move on our hearts. Be with us this morning. Take control, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may have your seats. Questions without answers. And this morning might be a little bit different just as a foundation, but uh, it might not be so much evangelistical at the beginning, but I want you to really just anchor in, and, and this is for everyone, regardless of where you're at spiritually, this will apply to you. We all have family strains. There's all things within our, just our, our makeup that we have peculiarities and we have certain tendencies. Brothers, can we happen to get these, these monitors off for ch- by chance? I know I'm short, but like everyone's looking up there. Just kind of disconcerting, but anyways. <laughs> uh, we all have different tendencies and, and uh, peculiarities, as, as we all know. Uh, and we wonder sometimes why we're made up a certain way. And why we, why we have certain desires or why we have certain flaws or weaknesses. A lot of it's family strains. Even in the message, Brother Bram explains a lot of those things. But we have a lot of questions. A lot of questions of why things, certain things have happened. We have questions. We have concerns. We have problems in each of our life. There's not an individual here that walked in to this, this, uh, this uh, meeting hall this morning that didn't have questions. Something, a circumstance in your life, situation, a problem a concern that you might have. And there are things we don't understand. Regardless of how great you might think you are spiritually or what, what status you might hold on this earth, there's all things we don't understand. There's situations that we go through, there's questions that we have and we don't understand. And there's questions that we have that we don't have the answer to. This morning I want to look at a few examples of individuals that had hard questions. As we heard of the, the Queen of Sheba coming to Solomon, she had hard questions and she wanted to prove Solomon with those. But I want to look this morning at the woman at the well. And I want to just take a few examples here. But imagine the questions that she had as she came to the well that morning. She had been living with five men as her, as the, as her husband and now she was living with her boyfriend, you might say. And she probably had a lot of hurts, a lot of scars, a lot of questions about what her future was going to hold. Whether or not this sixth man was going to be the satisfying portion of, her, of the longing within her heart. No doubt she had a lot of hurts because she had been abused by so many men. Or maybe it just, it, she hadn't been satisfied by so many of these men. And now there was hurts and maybe mistrust. She maybe didn't, mis, uh, she didn't even trust men. It came to the point where just uh, so in that realm of, uh, of being hurt. Had a lot of questions. She didn't have a lot of answers. And as I was thinking about the, the women at the well, I was wondering, we as young people, how many spirits we will have relationship with before we realize they don't have the answer to our question. I wonder how many, as we go through this service this morning, how many different other answers Satan has tried to present to us, and that we've tried alternate answers to the true answer, and we found that they don't really satisfy. They don't really answer the questions within our heart. The desires that we have, the, 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 the questions that are deep within our heart that we can't even share with other individuals, maybe even your closest friends, your parents, your counselors, your friends, you can't even share these questions with. They're hard questions like the Queen of Sheba had, and they're deep within your heart. You don't share them with anyone. And we look at Moses at the burning bush. He had a lot of questions. You say, well, we always talk about Moses at the burning bush as such a a great experience and five moments in the presence of God just changed his life around. But if you read the Bible, you'll notice the entire chapter is full of Moses with a lot of questions. 
questioning whether or not he's capable, questioning whether or not he's uh, able to speak, that he didn't, have a, he didn't have the linguistic ability to go in back to Pharaoh, go back to Egypt. He'd been away from there for 40 years. He, he'd uh, committed murder in that country, and now God's calling him to go back to this place. And inside of Moses, there was a lot of questions, and he didn't have the answers for and no doubt over the past 40 years, even before that burning bush experience, as he was in the field just being a shepherd, just a simple sheep herder out in the desert somewhere, he had a lot of questions on his heart. Why did he have to kill a man? He had been 40 years in Egypt, he had given everything that he wanted, had such an easy life, and now he had been put out, he had ran away from Egypt, out on the backside of a desert somewhere, herding some sheep, when beforehand he had slaves and servants and women and and all the, the luxuries of Egypt. And now here he is, 40 years without all those things. And no doubt as he, day by day, just at the daily grind of being a shepherd, going and doing the same thing, being around the dirty sheep and washing them and trimming them up and then going back in day in and day out, 40 years, I, I imagine there'd be a lot of questions. A lot of questions of whether or not he made the right decision to flee. Maybe he thought, maybe he had questions of what he could become. What he could have become if he would have stayed back in Egypt. If he would have been a Pharaoh, as he was the, Brother Brown says he was the upcoming Pharaoh. What, could, what he could have been. A lot of questions down inside of Moses' heart. And even though he came to a place that a supernatural experience, had a time with God, a burning bush was there, a moment in time when even he took off his shoes, he was on holy ground. And yet inside of him, there are still questions. You might have come to this camp, but I want to say this is like holy ground. You come to this presence that you can feel God, you can see him moving. But yet, even inside of a mature believer's heart, there's questions down inside their heart. Questions you might have about circumstances or situations you're going through or something that's gone, gone on in your past and there's still questions inside of your heart. We look at even John the Baptist, the, the forerunner to Jesus Christ in Malachi 3. He came and great sermons were preached and he, he would give analogies of serpents and snakes and scorpions and he would uh, rebuke Herod and, and call him af- out for his uh, going after his wife and, and, and taking her incorrectly as his wife. And he would great, have great sermons and say great things and, and many people would come out to the desert and listen to John the Baptist and he would declare that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. The long-awaited Messiah, Jehovah, had now come in flesh and he would say that this was the one he was coming to forerun and, and for, uh, come before But even John the Baptist, you look at even at the end of his life, he now is in a dungeon because of the request of Herod's daughter or his niece, sorry, that had danced in front of him. And he said, I'll give you whatever you want. He said, she said, I want the head of John the Baptist in a charger. And now here's John the Baptist down in a dungeon somewhere. Great prophet, you might say. Another coming of Elijah. And here's John the Baptist. And he has a lot of questions. Downside that dungeon, he wasn't calling out, uh, calling, uh, calling down heaven and, and rebuking the, the soldiers, the other prisoners that were there. He wasn't having great ministries inside of the dungeon that night. John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus Christ, was sitting in a dungeon and he had a lot of questions. These questions didn't have answers and he didn't really know the answers because he, he even came to the point where he had his two disciples. He said, go follow after Jesus for a day. Why? Because he had questions if he was even the Messiah. Is this really the one that we are waiting for? Is this really the one that's going to come back and restore the kingdom? 
Even John the Baptist, at the very end of his life, after seeing all that he had been done, had gone into the wilderness from a young boy, had gone away from the priesthood, had preached many, many great sermons, had saved souls and pushed them towards the ministry of Jesus Christ, saw the presence of God descending as a dove upon a corporal body of God. And now here is the end of his life after all of those experiences and he has questions down inside of his heart. And we come through as believers, sons and daughters of God. We come through situations. And we have questions. And these questions, even ministry sometimes can't have an answer for. And many times people will come for uh, counseling and they'll come to a minister and they'll share their questions. But even a minister can't answer those questions. They come with hard questions and, and people wonder many times of, you know, there's split families or there's relationships that are broken up. Even mental illness, we, uh, as, as, as humanity, we don't even understand a lot of what's going on. And there's questions within an individual. Why do I feel this way? Why am I thinking these sort of thoughts? Why is my mind being pulled in this direction? Why is there a strain? As Brother Bram was talking about, why is there an anxiety? Why is there a stress? Why does it feel like there's pressure inside of my life? And even a minister can't even give you the answer to that question. Inside your heart, you're calling, Why? Why and how did this happen? And when will this end? And you're filled with a lot of questions. There's other areas, there's other times within our heart as believers even that we have questions that we don't have answers for. People have questions of why did my parents break apart? Why did my family break apart? My, my mother and my father were, uh, were divorced. Why did that happen? Why did my family member die? Why did my brother die? Why did my sister die? Why did my father, my, why did that have to happen? Questions without answers. People have questions of why did that relationship have to end? Why did that, it was seen going, seen going, seemed like it was going so well. And why did that have to end? And there's a hurting, there's a burning, there's a, and there's a, there's a burden and a question that you can't even deliver to someone else. Maybe a situation that you're going through and there's questions and desires you can't share and there's no man that can give you the answer. People have questions of why their family member doesn't believe the message. Seems like you're all alone. Seems like your family doesn't care. It seems like you're, you're friends. Like, there's no one else supporting you in the message. There's no one that comes to church with you. And there's questions of why is it that way? Why does it seem like everyone else here is support and a family structure and people pushing them forward? And here I am alone by myself and no one to support me. You have questions inside your heart. And you look back in the word and you see times where people were delivered just instantly and their, their thoughts and their minds were changed instantly. You ask God, why can't that happen to my family? Why can't that happen to my father? Why can't that happen to my mother? Why can't that happen for my family? Why do I have to live, live this life alone? It's questions and there's not many answers. Say, why does it seem like I'm losing my mind sometimes? Why does it seem like the stress and the anxiety of school and work and family pressures and relationships are just pulling my mind apart? It doesn't seem like I have any peace anymore. Why does it seem like this trial? Why do I have to go through this trial? Why do I have to go through this temptation? Why do I have to go through this circumstance? God, you can take the situation in an instant. Why do I have to go through it? A lot of questions and not a lot of answers. And you ask God, why'd you allow me to go through that? You go through an experience of time and it's just a year and two years. You go through a situation, you look back and yes, all things work together for the good. But even as a, a believer, as, even as a mature believer, you look back and say, why God? 
Why do I have to go through that? It just seems like a year or two years of your life is just wasted. Wasted because some situation has pulled you away. It just seemed like your whole, your whole life was given over some issue, some problem. You look back and you see no good from it. And you ask God, why do, I, why do I have to go through that? Questions without answers. I want to look at another individual in the Bible that was also had questions without answers. In John chapter 5, you'd like to turn there, that'd be fine. I know it's a little bit different of a service, but just pull on the word. John chapter 5, verse 1. I promise this, this morning we'll, we'll turn things around. We'll have a positive ending. But John chapter 5, verse 1. I want you to notice here this man. We've heard many times of this man at the pool of Bethesda. But in John chapter 5, verse 1, it says, After this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in Hebrew, tongue, Bethesda, having five porches. And as we go through this story this morning, you'll look at this man's life, and he had questions without answers. And he had a question of why he was by himself. And he said, it seemed as if he, he thought that he didn't, no one knew where he was at. He felt as if he was all alone. But I want you to look in the scripture that two, two verses of the Bible that have been penned down for thousands of generations and read by many people were, just, were, were taken up just describing where this man was at. Because God knows exactly where you're at this morning. You might feel like you have questions without answers, like no one else knows where you're at. Like no one else knows those questions. No one else has the answers to the things that you're going through. But I want you to look in verse one. Not only did it describe that it was in Jerusalem, but in Jerusalem, there was a sheep market. And in this sheep market, there was a pool. And the name of this pool was Bethesda. And this pool of Bethesda had five porches. God knows exactly where you're at this morning. He didn't just come down to the earth to, to generally save a John 3.16, the entire generation, the entire earth, the entire humanity. He came down specifically for you. And regardless of where your situation is at, regardless of where you feel you're laying down spiritually, God knows exactly where you're at. Amen. He'll come by a little place called 8444 Mount Baker Highway because he knows exactly where you're at. Amen. Verse 3 in these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season in the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatever disease he had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. And we find Jesus comes to this man Verse seven, the impotent man answered him, sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me in the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth in before me. Now here we find this man, the, pool, the man at the pool of Bethesda, he had a complex. 38 years and he still has the excuse that he has no one to put him in that, into the water. You'd, you'd think after 38 years, he could have made some friends or maybe made an acquaintance with someone else that was healed and said, hey, just wait around. Put me in the water next. 38 years. And now this man has an excuse. Maybe he put this out just kind of an excuse or he had this complex inside of him that no one else cared enough for him to put him into the water. He had a complex that no one cared for him. But I want you to notice if you read further into the, into the story, Jesus doesn't even address his excuse. 
After he says, no, I don't have anyone else to get me in. I, I, I've been here for 38 years. I don't know how to get in. I have no one else to get me in. Jesus doesn't even address his excuse. He just says, rise, take thy bed and walk. And Satan has been trying to put within your mind and anoint your mind with excuses and complexes and questions when if you just realize he's already proclaimed a word over you that says, rise, take that complex and walk away. Rise, take that question and walk away. I want to look here this morning at this man, Pool of Bethesda, had a lot of questions. The Bible said that he was laying on this pallet for 38 years. You can't tell me, but he had a lot of questions. Questions of what his life could have been. What if I could have walked? Where would I be right now? Maybe I'd be, maybe I'd be married right now. Maybe I'd have some, uh, some children. I see all the people walking outside the sheep market there, and everyone's so happy. And, and maybe what, what would my life be like if I was like that? And why did I have to be born like this? Why did I have to come to the world like this and not be able to walk? I'm impotent. I can't walk. I can't move. I can't even bear up this little pallet that I'm sitting on here. Why can't I do it? Why does it have to be 38 years? One year. Two years. Three. Maybe at first he believed. Maybe at first he thought he had hope of getting into the water. He saw other people getting delivered. He saw other people getting healed. But the question within his heart still wasn't answered. 38 years. Maybe he wondered what he could have been, what he could have had. Maybe he desired to have a family. And something inside of him just desired to have that connection, that love, be able to feel someone else's uh, presence with him. And now he has 38 years. Questions and no answers. He was unable to work. He was perhaps separated from even his mother, his father. Obviously, they didn't come to the pool and help him into the water. Maybe he had questions of, why don't they come and help me? Why don't my family come and get me into the water? Why isn't my father, why is my mother praying, get me, to this, uh, get me this healing? Maybe it's their fault. Maybe they sinned, they, they did something wrong. Why doesn't no one care? I've sat on this for 38 years. No one cares about me. No one's helping me into the water. No one else cares about me having a revival. No one else cares about me having the answer to these questions inside of my heart. He sat there for 38 years. Tonight, I want to look specifically, though, at Brother Branham's life. Because even being a prophet and fulfilling Malachi 4, Brother Branham had a lot of questions. Brother Branham had a lot of questions, and he didn't have the answers. I want to let you to look. If you, re- if you read in uh, Life Story, Brother Branham talks about these times of his life. And I want to look, zero down just to one very specific portion of his life story that maybe uh, we've all heard before about... We know the, the, the time in his life when he was just young in his ministry, he had been married to Hope, and then his, his mother-in-law, excuse me, said that he shouldn't go up to this certain group of people and preach to them because he, they were just trash. And so Brother Branham heeded her voice because he wanted to keep the relationship good. And so God now begins to judge him for doing that and, uh, and not heeding the voice of the Lord that told him to go down these people. So in just a short amount of time, what we're going to read here happens. Just in a very short amount of time, Brother Branham's father dies in his arms. Just a little while later, his brother died. And his brother actually died by a drunk hitchhiker. This drunk hitchhiker that he picked up broke his neck up against a post. And, it, and it, it, it turned over his liver and his brother died. 
And now just, so, so here his father dies, his brother dies. And then 1937, there's a flood in Indiana. And on right along the Ohio River, and between where there's Ohio and Indiana, the, the, the Ohio River comes through there, and, and the levee wall broke, and now there's a great flood inside the, uh, Clarksville in that area in around Indiana. So Brother Branham is now saving people from house to house. And he already knew that his, his wife was in the hospital with tuberculosis. And, and, then, uh, then, and then he finds out later on that she had died. But now Brother Branham is driving around in his little boat in this flood. I want you to step into this, this uh, story now. Brother Branham is, is driving around in his little boat and he's trying to help these different individuals escape because there's a flood coming through and the levee wall had broken. Now this current was coming through the city. You could read this in Life Story. And now Brother Branham goes to this specific house and he throws a slip knot over onto the foundation and went running into this house and the current is already beginning to wash through this home. And he goes into this house and there's a little uh, woman there grasping onto, his, uh, grasping onto her child and crying out for mercy and saying, mercy on me, mercy. And Brother Branham's trying to help this, this, these people get into his boat and he would drive them to safety. And he goes up to this one house and throws the slip knot from his uh, little uh, boat over onto the foundation of the house and then runs inside and sees this woman crying out for mercy. He's trying to help these individuals. And all of a sudden he hears someone scream that the foundation's about to give. So he runs back to his, his boat, uh, dips his hand back into the water, throws off his rope off of the foundation, brings the slip knot off, and then the house just washes away off of its foundation because of the current. Now this is the time where now the levee had broken. The, the current was now very, very strong coming throughout the town. But the Bram's now in his boat. He had just got off of this foundation. And he's beginning to try to start up the motor of his, of his, of his uh, little boat there. Trying to get it started. Trying to get back to safety. And he can't get the motor started. And you might have heard this before, but not in this, in this context. That, and here he is now trying to get his motor started. And it just won't start. And he's beginning to go down with the current down to an, a, a place where there's the, the, what's called the Ohio Falls. There's great waterfalls that come down there uh, off of the Ohio River. He's coming now close to these falls, and he can't get his motor started. And in that moment, I promise you, there was a lot of questions inside Brother Brian's heart. Here now his wife had died. Here now his father had died. His brother had died a gruesome death. And now here he is just about to go over some waterfalls, and he can't get his motorboat, uh, motorboat started. And we know the story. He's praying, and, he say, and one more time he, he pulls it, and it starts. And he gets off, gets out of, out of there with the boat. And I want you just to step now into this because now he just, he went, goes to the hospital and his, 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 his wife, Hope, Sister Hope, dies of tuberculosis. And now we're going to step into this quote Brother Branham in 1951 speaking his life story. This is right after he came back from the hospital, finding out that his wife had just died of tuberculosis. He comes back in to his house. He says, and I got crying and I shut the door together Hanging on the back door was her kimono, hanging on the back of the door, and oh my, there it was all over again. And I, while I was laying there crying, someone knocked on the door. It was Mr. Broy. He come and he said, Brother Billy? I said, yes, sir. He said, I got some bad news for you. I said, Brother Frank, I just took her to the morgue. He said, that's not all of it. Your baby's dying also. Sharon Rose. I said, surely not. I said, no, Dr. Sam Adair is taking her to the hospital now. I said, she thinks she's he thinks she's dying. But the brand says, and I couldn't hold it no longer. I got up and I tried to walk and I couldn't do it. My strength was all gone and they had to hold me up by my arms. 
he set me down in the old truck and he took me out there to the whole old hospital. And I walked in and there was Sam. He's talking about Sam O'Dare, the doctor, standing at the door. He said, Billy, don't go to her. He said, she's dying, sonny boy. And she had a contagious disease, which is that tuberculosis. He said, she's contracted it from her mother, this tubercular meningitis. And it went to the spine and said, she's dying. He said, you can't go in to see her on the account of Billy Paul. I said, doc, I got to see my baby. I said, let me, let me see her, won't you, doc? He said, Billy, I can't do it on the account of Billy Paul. He said, it's meningitis, son. He said, if you go in there, it'll carry on your clothes somewhere else. I said, doc, let me go down there or give me chloroform and let me die with her. I said, life, what is it to me now? Everything I've got is gone. The Bram says that the doctor started to cry. The Bram says the nurse stood there and said, now I can't let you go in there, Brother Branham. The Bram says when she turned her back, I slipped around anyhow and went down into the basement, the isolated place, a very cheap-like hospital. And they're down like a little cheesecloth laying over Sharon Rose's face to keep the flies out. And her little spasms, I don't know if you've ever seen someone with tubercular meningitis in their spine, but they have these spasms. And her little spasms, she was having that with meningitis, and the flies was in her little, her little eyes, her little baby eyes, and I, I shooed the flies off of her eyes like that. Looked down at her and said, Sharon Rose, honey, you're not going to leave daddy, are you? I looked at her old fat legs, her little crippled hand like this, on like she was drawing, quivering, and she was looking at me, little old quivering lips. I said, Sharon, are you going to leave daddy? And looked like she was quivering so like that. And she had, I looked, and she looked up at me. She was suffering so hard to one of those little baby eyes, her little eyes crossed over like that. Looked at her suffering so, and she was looking like she was trying to reach her little hands out to me. Brother Bram says, oh, it just tore my heart out. My heart out. Just tore my heart out of me. I thought, oh God, I've seen that little thing. I knelt on the floor. I said, oh dear God, I'm sorry that I did that, what I did. You took my wife, my darling from me. Now you're taking my baby. Oh God, please don't take my little girl. I love her with all of my heart. I said, I'll serve you. I've done all I know to do except go when you told me to go down there. I said, please don't take my baby. I said, I love her. Oh no, please tell me God. I said, take me instead of her. He's just praying. He says, as I raised my eyes, it looked like a black sheet coming folded in front of me. And I know she was going then. I raised up and looked at her. I said, God bless you, honey. I said, your daddy's darling. I laid my hand over on her head. And I said, oh God, I don't know why you're tearing me up like this. I said, Sharon Rose, God be with you, honey. In a few moments, the angels will pack your little soul to mother and I'll pack you up from here and lay you in your mother's arms and bury you tomorrow. I said, Lord, I've done all I can. All I can. It's not my will now, let thy will be done. I laid my hand on her little head like that. I couldn't hold myself no more. I felt myself slinking and went down to the floor. The angels of God picked her up, took her little soul away. Her little mouth quit quivering. Her little legs straightened out. God taken her away, and I stood there. My heart mashed to pieces. But I thought, oh God, oh mercy. I said, Lord, why don't you take me, Lord? Here we find a prophet in this situation at the bedside in a hospital room of his little girl now dying. And in this moment, 
Satan comes. And he says, oh, so they call you a prophet. And now here is your daughter dying. You've raised many from, 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 you've seen those raised from the dead. You've seen tuberculosis healed before. You've seen the blind see. You've seen the lame walk. And now here's your own daughter. She's dying in front of you and you can't do anything about it. And Brother Branham, even inside of himself, he said he was about to say, if that's what he's gonna treat me like, then I won't serve him anymore. About to say that. Why? He had questions. And they didn't have the answer. As a prophet of God, as the seventh generation, the, the messenger of the seventh uh, age, he had questions he didn't even have answers to. Why did my father have to die? Died inside my arms. Why did my brother just shortly after have to die this horrible death, his liver turned over because some drunk man slams him up against a post? Why did he have to die like that? Why did my wife have to die of tuberculosis? Now my daughter's dying in front of me and now his heart's being torn out of him. And he said, I'd rather die myself. He had questions and he had no answers. And now he's turning to God and in the moment he asked God for an answer, a black sheep falls in front of him. God refuses the question that he's trying to answer, trying to ask. I wonder if Brother Bram didn't think back to the time of his commission. And he said, I wonder if he began to think and he began to remember what God said to him. He said that, that nothing would stand in front of him, even cancer, if he'd get the people to believe. And now here he is standing next to his daughter. She's dying of tuberculosis and he can't heal her. And there's no healing power, and a black sheet falls in front of him. He had questions without answers. And later in his ministry, Brother Branham had more questions. The denominations had put him out. He began to question his ministry. Uh, he began to question his commission, question whether or not he was really accepted. Had a lot of questions because everyone was pushing him out. And in his own self, he tried to develop his own answer. He said, I'm going to become a trapper. I'm going to go get away from all of it. I'm just going to go up into the mountains. I'm just going to be, uh, go take my family and live up in the hills somewhere. Get away from all this, this civilization. And he tried to develop an answer to the question down inside of him. And let me tell you this, young people. You devising an answer to the question within your heart will only lead to more ruin and hurt and further questions. Young person comes to a place where it just seems like you're torn. Seems like your mind, your spirit is just torn apart. You don't understand things. You have questions, you have desires. You're going through circumstances and situations that just seem like they keep going on and on and on. And there's questions and no answers. And Satan will begin to work on your mind, trying to let you develop answers. Well, maybe if I move away, maybe if I get this relationship, maybe if I do this, and he's trying to give you alternative answers to the one true answer that we will talk about here in just a moment. But before we, we get into the crux of the message this morning, as we've laid this foundation, we look at a believer's heart, has questions and no answers. It reminds me of that little eagle Brother Bram talks about that has his eyes filmed over. He gets a film all over his beak, and he gets down into a low place, and he begins to hit his beak up, beak up against a, a, some, a rock somewhere. And he's no longer flying in the heavenlies. He's no longer flying thousands of feet above. But now he's down in some low place, knocking his beak because he has film over his eyes. And he's forgot what it was like to be like an eagle. He forgot what it was like to soar in the heavenlies. And he no doubt has a lot of questions about the future. Am I, e am I even an eagle? Will I ever fly again? 
And he now gets so earthbound. He begins to look around. He's so low. He begins to look up and he sees the other birds up in the heavenlies. But here he is now down there just knocking his beak up against some rock somewhere, trying to get the film off of his eyes. A lot of questions. What the future holds. And as young people, we have a lot of questions about what the future holds. How am I going to get married? Where do I go to school? How is this going to work out? What, what's, what's the next choice? Where do I go? What? And many times we find Satan will begin to pour questions on at times of junction, times of decision, and he'll put situations in your life, trying to mount up the questions and bring you to the place like Brother Brown talks about, where there's pressure inside of your mind. And you have questions. Family situations are happening, and your, and, and your parents are being pulled apart, it seems. Uh, uh, siblings are being pulled apart, and you have questions. Why does this have to happen? Isn't there a solution here? Isn't the word our solution? Isn't it something that can heal this? Why is this happening in my family? Why aren't we in the message? Why does this have to happen in my relationship? A lot of questions. Not many answers. There comes a day when that little eagle is still knocking up his head up against some rock somewhere. Forgot who he was. Forgot what it was like to fly. Forgot what it was like to use his wings. But one day there comes a day the rising of the sun comes up. But Abraham talks about a time when that eagle begins to look up at the horizon and the first little bit of the sun comes across and a sun ray flashes into his eye. But Abraham says that it quickens him and he begins to realize who he is. That little sun begins to rise and that eagle begins to recognize who he is and begins to fly towards the sun. You might be caught in some situation. You might have even come to the camp and it just seems like you're knocking your head up against something. Some situation, some question you don't have the answer to. No one else that you've talked to knows the answer. You might have consulted with a lot of your friends, a lot of ministry, a lot of other counselors or, or, or even elders in the church and they don't have the answer to the question within your heart. But the crux of this message this morning, as we take a turning point, comes in the furtherance of that message, the quote, letting off the pressure. Brother Bram goes on, he says, I was talking to a doctor about it. I want you to listen. This is the, this is the main part. The four words of this entire message could be uh, con- concise down to these four words. I was talking to a doctor about it. He said, Brother Branham, he said, you know, the insane institutions are overloaded. He said, the psychiatrists are breaking up. And they got psychiatrists doctoring the psychiatrists. And I said, oh my. He said, I wonder what the remedy is. Question, I wonder what the remedy is. He has a question. I wonder what the remedy is. Brother Brown says, I got it. He said, what? I said, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. He's the answer to all of it. This morning you might have come and you said, what's the answer to my sickness? Jesus is the answer. You say, what's the answer to my temptation? Jesus is the answer. You say, this situation I'm going through, what's this answer? What's the answer to this question inside of my heart? Jesus is the answer. Brother Bram says, Jesus is the answer to all of it. Because at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Say, why am I going through these struggles? Questions inside of your heart. Why is my family being torn? Why is the church, why is this going, why is this happening to me? Jesus is the answer. And as we look at this, we talk about questions. Many times as we go through school, we think about a test. Think about this test of life that we're going through. 
And if, if, you're on a, if you're taking a test at school, there might be a certain kind of question called a fill in the blank. Who's ever had a fill in the blank question on a test at school? And you'll be reading a sentence along, and then all of a sudden there's this big blank space. And then you gotta fill it in, and then it might continue on a little bit more. And basically it's a question, and it, it'll go for so long, it'll give you the answer, it'll be telling you what's going on, telling you what's going on, and then all of a sudden a blank space. Just a long blank line, and you're required to fill in that, in that, that blank space, fill in the blank. And we as believers, questions in our heart, and sometimes it just seems like it's a bunch of blank space. It seems like God's going along, things are, go- things are going well. We understand where our life is headed. We understand the plan of God, what he has for us. And all of a sudden, there's this long stretch in our life. It just seems like a bunch of blank space. And you have questions, and you're looking at it, and it's blank, and you don't have the answer. Questions in the test of life. We have times in our experience where it just seems like there's just blankness. It just seems like you're just going through it. It seems like everything was going so well. I was reading the question, it was good, good. And all of a sudden, there's this long, blank space. We are experienced with God, it seems like our prayer life just ceases. Like Brother Bram, it seems like a black sheet's falling in front of you. It seems like your prayers don't get any higher than the ceiling. You just come to a place, it seems like it's blank. There's no answers to the questions inside of your heart. Many times we look at those, we call them the silent years, but sometimes we look at, if you look at a test that you might go through in school, sometimes, sometimes people get discouraged because there's just so many questions. Sat through some tests where it's four or five hours long of question after question after question after question. And many people will leave this message because they get tired of the questions. They get tired of the constant battle. They get tired of the situation. They get constantly worn down by sickness, worn down by the, the, the family struggles, things going on within their life. It seems like their mind is just being torn apart. There's question after question after question. And they get worn down and they'll, get, they'll, get, they'll pass in their test. Say, I can't do it. Can't do it. Seems like there's question after question. And sometimes you look at a question and you go completely blank. And you don't know what's going on. And there's a sickness that strikes your family. And you're like, where'd that come from? I wasn't ready for that. And something happens to your job and all of a sudden it's, what, what, what's happening here? And you're just blind, blindsided. A question comes and you don't know the answer and you're blank. completely drawing a blank on this question. And when that happens, even on a test, you know what you do? You start guessing. You start making things up. Some of my questions in chemistry, my goodness, I come to the, and all I did was like, well, it's out of eight. So if I can just bumble around, beat around the bush, maybe I'll get four out of eight. You start making things up. You know, carbon all of a sudden is, you know, mixing up with some other hydrogen and oxygen. And you start making stuff up because you don't know the answer to the question. And even as believers, we'll come to situations we don't have the answer. Because we haven't been studying the message. We haven't been in the book long enough to know the answer. And you might come to a service and say, why are they always telling me to get inside the book? Why are they telling me to eat the message? Why do they want me to have a walk with God? Because they don't want you to come to times in your life when you have questions and no answers. The message contains the answer to your situation. The message contains the answer to your problem. And the deep desires within your heart that no man can give an answer to. Jesus is the answer. You've gone too long. You've tried to wing it. You've tried to wing the test of life. 
You say, well, if someone gets sick in my life, we'll get through it. We'll figure it out somehow. You haven't been studying. Like Daniel, you didn't know the books. Daniel was in the books. That's why he could perform one day. He was in there for years. He was out there praying. He didn't just pray when, when the people were watching for him. He'd been praying for years. He was ready for the lion's den. That was a question. And he was ready because he'd been studying. He'd been studying. Come to times on a, on a, on a test, seems like there's multiple choice. Who's ever had a multiple choice question? You have A, B, C, D, and then they get really complicated and go E, D, E, F, G, and you're like, all right, well, it's somewhere in the alphabet. And you just circle one. Scantron is really long, and you just have e, multiple choice. We come to questions in our heart, questions in our life, and Satan will try to make this a multiple choice answer when there's only one answer. Jesus is the answer. And Satan will try to put alternative answers on your test of life. And he'll try to give you drugs. He'll try to give you alcohol as some alternative answer to the one and only true answer, which is Jesus Christ. Amen. Tries to give you options. But no alternative Satan offers will pacify or answer the questions within your heart. Amen. I want to say this tonight, that as we go through the test of life, God isn't trying to trick you. You know, some professors, they get a lot of joy out of making everyone just completely like, their eyes are flipping and they're just up there like looking at everyone like, yeah, like I got you now. And they'll throw something in just to throw someone off. They'll throw some question in there just to throw somebody off. God to his children isn't trying to trick you. Don't ever allow Satan to try to tell you that, Satan, that God is up in heaven trying to move things around and trick you into going into a world or going into hell. God, in his mind, before the foundation of the world, knew you'd pass the test. You know, when you go into a test and you know the answer, it gives you confidence. If you've been studying right, if you've been coming to lectures you've been taking notes. When you come to this test of life, you come to a question, you have confidence because you know the answer. But the Bram says we have the devil's answer. It's the word of God. You know, when Jesus, when uh, Satan came to Jesus every single time, he had the answer to the question Satan would give him because he went back to the word. And far too often we try to rely on our own abilities, our own thoughts, and we just kind of coast through. And we wing the test of life. And all of a sudden, a question will come. A situation will come. Something will come in a family. And someone's blindsided. They don't know what's going on. Because they weren't studying up for the test of life. You say, well, I can get through this, Brother Michael. I come to camp. I'll come to you know, church school. I will, I will be good. I will dress right. I'll just get through. I'll come to class. I'll come to church. And all of a sudden, a, a question comes. A situation comes, something within your heart that no one else can answer. The Holy Spirit gives you confidence amidst the trial, amidst the questions. As you're going through this test of life, having him as the answer giver gives you confidence in this test of life. Now, when we look at a test, even naturally, before we make this turn and we finish off the service here, you can cheat and get the answers from someone else. But one day... It'll catch up with you. 
You know, you find people inside of a, a classroom, they just cheat or they, they're looking over other people's answers or maybe there's, you know, they're sliding underneath the desk or they have, a, you know, if it's a Scantron and they, it's like, okay, it's A, C, D, A, B, 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 C, D, E. And they're doing Morse code on the, on the desk to figure out which numbers to do. And they're cheating, but there will come a day when they'll have to stand alone. And there might be years that a young person goes along and they're constantly cheating because they're taking the answers off of their parents or off of the ministry. But one day on this test of life, you will stand alone and you'll have to have the answer for the questions within your heart. There'll have to be a daddy that knows how to pray. There'll have to be a mother that knows how to captivate God's heart and bring them down for their children. And you'll have to stand alone. And you better know the answer, because the answer is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the answer. I want to step now into a situation, a story back in the time of Jesus. I'm sorry it's such a long foundation, but I'll I'll wrap it up very quickly. I want to look at this individual here. We find him, if we step into this scene, here he is now bloody. We find him just sitting back in a little cave somewhere. He has blood all over him. And you can tell there's just deep wounds all over him. And he's just sitting there. He's chains on his wrist that are broken. And he's battered. And when he walks around, you can see he's just kind of limping around. And he's over there, just has cuts all over him. And he's sitting there. He has a lot of questions inside of his heart. Because one day it wasn't like this. See, this man's name was Legion. And now we find him here in this cave somewhere, back in the graves, back in the tomb somewhere. He's just back there, and he's been there for years, and it just seems like, just seems like he's all alone. And... But here we find him now. He's in his right mind, sitting here in this little cave somewhere, blood all over him. Because there'd come times where he just, he'd have immense power and demon spirits begin to charge through him and he'd take rocks and cut himself. He'd take chains and wrap them around himself. He'd go and run throughout these tombs and fall and trip. And now he is cut up and bleeding. But now here we find him, he's just sitting there. Maybe just his head in his hands, just thinking. And he had a lot of questions inside of his heart. Because Brother Bram said Legion wasn't always around with devils and, and casting things and binding and breaking and running around. Brother Bram said there was times he would come and sit down and he'd come back to his right mind. And I wonder if in those moments he had a lot of questions. If you, look, if you remember back the story Brother Bram tells, it just started with one little devil. He was going to work one day. And at the end of the day, they say, hey, his, his, his uh, co-worker said, hey, why don't you just come out and get a drink at the local bar here? Come down with, oh, no, no, I can't do that. I can't do I got a family to go to. The next day, oh, it's Friday now. You know, come on down. Go, just get a drink with us real quick. All right, all right, I'll come down with you. Legion goes down to the bar somewhere, takes a drink of that, that alcohol, and Brother Bram says the first devil went inside of him right there. And now here is a, an hour late home coming from, from work, and he gets back to his house, his little wife there, frail, just washing the dishes and things. He steps inside the house, and she says, why, why are you gone? Why are you so late? Oh, I, I, just had, I just have to work a little bit longer. The shift went a little bit longer. And Brother Brown says, the second devil of lying came inside of him right there. And he began to develop this, where this devil after devil began to glom inside of his heart. And now we find him here as a legion. Thousands of devils on his, on his, on his heart, on his life. Just one after the other. One after the other. 
But now here we find Legion in his right mind, thinking back to the time before this happened to him, before that one drink. And he has a lot of questions. He wonders where his children's at now. Maybe they've grown up now. I wonder what it's like. Maybe they're in school and I wonder, if, I wonder how, my, how my wife is doing. I, how is she going to pay the bills? And I just don't understand. Like, here I am out here. I, I could go and I could be with them, but yet the, 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 the city's blocked me out. And I, why am I bloody? And why, why is there all these wounds? And why do I have to lose my mind like this? It just seems like I'm just tormented. And he's a lot of questions. What, it what life could have been like if he didn't take that drink of alcohol? What life could have been like if he came home and just would have told the, the truth to his wife? He has a lot of questions inside of his heart. But there's no one around him to give him answers. And every day he wakes up, there's just death all around him. He wakes up, he just sees graves, tombstones all around him. All throughout the day, he's just around death. Just dwelling on death, and he's looking at tombstones. It says a day gone by, they've already been dead. Another camp experience five years ago, but they're dead now. They're in the tomb there. All around death in his family, it just, you might go, it just seems like death is all around you. You wake up and there's death. You go to work and there's death. You come home and there's still death. There's death all around you. Here Legion is, day in and day out. But Brother Bram says he would come to his mind sometimes and begin to think back. And I promise you in that moment, he had a lot of questions. Am I ever going to see my family again? Will these wounds ever get healed? Will I ever get out of this death situation all around me? Or is this just where my destiny is going to be the rest of my life? What's my future look like? Here he is now, caught in cycles of defeat. Can you imagine the torment of coming to your mind, realizing what's happening to you, thinking about your family, thinking about your future, thinking about your past, thinking about your mistakes, seeing it all around you, having questions, and then all of a sudden a devil spirit take over someone's body and just begin to tear things and shred things and run and, and begin to hurt himself. Cycles of torment. Coming to camp, seeing deliverance, questioning whether or not they'd go back in the world, but then going, falling right back into it again. Coming to church, feeling the presence of God, coming to their right mind, and then falling right back into it again. Cycles of defeat. And now here Legion is beginning to give up hope that he'd ever have the answer to the question inside of his heart. He's just so used to just going back, going back Monday morning, just falling right back into the same spirit, taking over his being. Falling right back into the same questions. Falling right back into the same situations. But then something changed. The question inside of his heart was like a magnet that pulled a man across this angry sea because on the other side was an answer. And if there's something inside of your heart and you're a predestinated seed and you have questions, it's like a magnet and it'll pull a minister out of his notes and he'll begin to pull out the answers to your questions because Jesus is the answer. And this morning, if you have questions, if you have desires, I want you to know one thing. Jesus is here. And Jesus is the answer to your situation. Did you know Jesus uh, left thousands of people to go to Legion? People thronging to him, telling that he was king. After great miracles, the signs and the wonders, the, the loaves being turned and multiplied, he leaves all of that for one man. I imagine there's Jesus breaking bread, preaching, healing, 
Thousands of people thronging around him, claiming that he's now the Messiah, that he's going to lead them against the, the Romans and deliver them. Inside of his mind, there's just one thing. Because I feel a little bit of a tug. Because there's a question in the predestinated seat of God. And he is the answer to that question. You might seem like you're going through a fill in the blank, just a bunch of blank space. But Jesus is the answer. And here he is breaking bread, healing, casting out devils, preaching the gospel. People are heralding his name, lifting him up. He's the great one. He's their king. He's the mighty one. He'll get us out of Herod's kingdom. He says, I got to get on that little boat there. I got to get away from this. He said, just, just let them go. He said, he gave his disciples instructions, just let them go. I have needs to go by Mount Baker Bible Way camp. And I'm going to leave the Pacific Northwest, and I'm going to leave them all there. I'm going to go up down this little place, because there's someone down there that got got an answer inside their heart. And it's like steel just pulling that magnet towards them. And inside of you, there's a magnet that's pulling God towards you. And when that connects, the answer will be fulfilled within your being. It'll come a time, you know when people talk about something just clicks inside of their heart? That's when the answer meets their question. Here we find Legion. The answer has stepped onto the shore. For years, Legion had been by this little graveyard. It had just come up by the seashore here, a place called the Gadarenes. And for years, he had seen the waves just lapping in. Maybe at times, he would even, when the spirits would come on him, he'd run into the water and try to drown himself. Maybe when he'd come to his right mind, he'd, he'd just go out and sit on the beach and just look out across the water. Just wonder, have questions, think about his family, think about what happened. His mind just begins to get tormented, and then devils would come back on him again. But I wonder if there's a time one day when here Legion is sitting back in this cave still. Thinking about his family has a lot of questions down inside of his heart. No one around him to give him the answers. No one to talk to. Like that man on the pallet just feels alone. Sitting here, questions inside of his heart. Wondering how much longer he'll have deliverance before the devils that tormented him so long will come on him again. And there's people sitting here this morning that are wondering how long it'll take before they get the same devils they dropped here off before they came to this camp service. And they're wondering how long they'll last. Here he is again. Maybe it'll be another couple hours and then I'll have to bandage my wounds again. And here he is just sitting there. He looks out across the water. sees a little boat. Nothing, nothing out of the orange, just a little fishing boat, just a little camp service. Oh, someone coming out of Louisiana. Oh, it's Brother Timothy Pruitt. Here he comes. Oh, that's just, a, just another preacher. Just watching this little boat, and this boat gets closer and closer. All of a sudden, it comes up against the beach, and this man steps out onto this, the shore, begins to look around. Something inside of Legion began to take over him again. And the spirits begin to envelop him again. He said, oh, here it comes again. And in, his, in, in himself, maybe he thought he was going to go kill this man. He, they had completely ostracized him, pushed him out, because he would go and tear people and, and, and kill and destroy and hurt. So here's, he just feels the spirits coming right back on him. Monday morning after camp, just feeling spirits coming back onto him again. Taking control of his body, taking control of his mind. The situation just seems like you're right back into the situation. After a camp service, after a meeting with God. And then the spirits take over and run to Jesus. 
I want you to notice even the devils knew the answer had just arrived. I wonder if we as children of God are less sensitive to the spirit than devils that know the answer is here. And we'll come to a service and we'll ignore it and we'll think about other things and our mind will be on something else when the devils know the answer is here. And they're just trying to get your mind, go some other direction because they know the answer is here to, to answer the questions within your heart. Will you torment us? Have you come to torment us, Jesus? Legion hearing these voices coming out of him now. Have you come to torment us? There's devils that have to stop outside of that camp, the campgrounds this, this weekend because they're just, they have to wait because they're afraid of being tormented. They won't come into this room. And that's why you feel free. Here, even these devils recognized the deity in the presence they had come in contact with. And little did Legion know, in front of him, this man, all the answers to his questions were about to be dissolved. I want to look back now, just before we close now, the Queen of Sheba, as she went to Solomon. I'm going to come back to Legion in a moment. Queen of Sheba said she had hard questions. And a real serious note, I know this is a very different service. You might have hard questions in your heart this morning. But as Brother Bram said, there's a greater than Solomon that's here. Amen. And the Queen of Sheba traveled many miles to get the answers to her questions. And God left the ramparts of glory to come and give you the answer. Amen. You didn't have to travel somewhere. You don't have to go, you don't have to go and you're crawling on your knees and your hands. He actually came to you. Legion didn't do anything to deserve the answer to his questions. The, question, the answer came to his question. Greater than Solomon is here to give you the answers to your hard questions. I want you to look back though. There was the sin question, Brother Branham says. The sin question was the fact that humanity had sinned. And don't let me lose you here. Stay focused now. I'll tie this all together. The humanity had sinned for generations down for thousands of years now. And at, there was a sin question because there, there, people were sitting down on the earth and the blood of bulls and goats as we heard last night would cover that sin. But there was a sin question because that, that sin still remained. And there, there, Brother Brown calls it the sin question because God was wondering who would atone for the sin of humanity? Because God required an answer for the sin that was being done on the earth. And there was the sin question. But it still holds the same. Jesus is the answer. Amen. And he embodied himself in a, a corporal body and died on a cross because Jesus was the answer to the sin question. And when we say that Jesus is the answer, stay with me now. When we say that Jesus is the answer, I want to clarify this. It doesn't necessarily mean he will give you the answers to your questions. It's not Jesus gives you answers Jesus is the answer. The man on the cross hanging there, dying, dying next to Jesus. Here he is dying. Now the thief on a cross done many sins in his life. And he cries out and he asks the question, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And the answer back was, this day you'll be with me in paradise. Now that man got an answer. 
But it didn't relieve him from the fact that he still died on that cross. He still had to go through a lot of pain, a lot of torment, and a lot of anguish. But I promise you one thing. If you talk to this man just 24 hours later, he is real glad he came in contact with the answer. God isn't necessarily going to deliver you from your situation. He's not necessarily going to deliver you from the torment that you're going through in your family situation. He's not going to necessarily answer the questions, how your relationship and why this happened, why did this happen. But if you just get a hold that Jesus is the answer and he's the satisfying portion, it'll quicken you and it'll answer the questions of your heart. He didn't get deliverance from his cross. But I want to tie this all in now together. I just want you to focus here. Because there's one day God will also ask you a question. And you want to be sure you have the answer. Brother Bram says, and why? He says, now why? What a question. And there's no one thing better, and there's no one that has a better right to ask it than God. Why? If God makes a way of escape for his people to escape a horrible thing or sickness or death or the eternal death, and then the people fail to receive that, God asks, why? God asks a question, why didn't you do it? Now that's got to be a great thing on the day of judgment, Brother Bram says, when God is going to ask we tonight that's assembled here, that that will not accept him as our savior and be filled with his spirit. Why didn't you do it? Why? And we're going to have to give an answer to that. Just remember, Brother Bram says, we're going to answer for every word that God has written. Why? And you'll have no excuses on that day. You'll have to stand before God. And he'll ask you, why didn't you receive the Holy Spirit? You came to camp after camp after camp, and the answer to your question was there every single time. Why? Why did you not receive me? How did you turn me away so often? When did I ever abuse you? Why would you not accept the gift that I gave? The gift of eternal life. Why would you push me away? Why, when I would come down in a prayer service, would you constantly think about other things? Why? Why? Questions and people won't have answers. And the people that will be tormented the most are the ones that were in his presence the most because they had the answer to the question and they came into contact with the answer, which by the way, Jesus is the answer. Came in contact with the answer and they never accepted it. And on that day, he'll ask why. Brother Bram says, is there, Brother Bram says, we will willfully reject it. You willfully reject the Holy Spirit if you come to these camp services and leave the same person. You willfully reject it. God won't force you to it. God God won't force a legion to be healed if they love those spirits. But there was something inside a legion that didn't want those spirits. Didn't want those devils. Didn't want to have to leave camp and pick them up again. He was tired of those, those cycles of defeat. He just craved an answer to the questions within his heart. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is the health of the daughter of my people not recovered? And there will be many people on that day that will have questions, but no answers. Before we close tonight, I want to tie this all together. 
There was a man by the name of Daniel Curry, and he had a dream. And in this dream, he had died, and he went to, went, went to uh, the other realm. And remember, this is just a dream. And he came up to the city uh, of heaven, uh, and there were great, great pearly gates. And at the, the front of this, this gate, there was a gatekeeper, and it was an angel. And this gatekeeper was there, and Daniel Curry came up to the gate and said, I want to get in. I, I, I preach the gospel. I saved thousands of souls. I, I healed many people. I've seen God move, and I want to get into heaven. The gatekeeper looks through his book and he says, well, Daniel, what's your name? Yeah, Daniel Curry, all right, D, all right, D-A-N-N, Daniel, I don't see it here, I don't see it. Daniel Curry says, no, 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 it must be in there, it must be there, I, I, was, a, I was a good Christian, I, I, I was a minister. Oh, okay, can, can you check again? Check, check one more time, please. Okay, yeah, I'll check, yeah. I don't see it here, I, I just don't see it here on this book. Your name has to be in this book to get inside the city. Daniel Curry was beginning to have questions. I'm like, what's happening here? And I thought I was a good person. I thought I was going to go in. And No, you're not in here, sir. He said, well, what can I do to get in? He said, well, the only thing you can do is appeal your case before the great white throne judgment. Well, I guess I got to do that. It's my only option. Daniel Curry said he began to feel like as if he was traveling at the speed of light, just going super fast through time, just going very fast. And all of a sudden, he began to slow down. And he said he came into the presence of a light thousands times the, the brighter than the sun. So there's the presence of God and he came in this light, the great white throne judgment, just white light emanating out. He said he came before that light. He said in, in the presence of that light, he just felt like he was naked. It feels like everything could be seen right through him. And out of that light says, Daniel Curry, did you ever steal down on earth? Daniel Curry began to think, he said, no, I was a good man. I'll, I did everything right. I did the best I possibly could. But he said, in the presence of that light, he saw many little shady deals he began to pull back in, when he was down on earth. And out of that light, he said, Daniel Curry, were you perfect down on earth? My law requires perfection. Daniel Curry looked down. Questions. And he didn't have the answer. Daniel Curry, were you perfect down on earth? Questions. And he had no answer. And he said he was just, Daniel Curry, relating the dream, says that he just felt like it was just, he was just waiting for a great blast to come forth and say, depart from me. I never knew you. He said, just in that moment, he said the sweetest voice that it could ever be heard came out from behind him. He said it's a thousand times sweeter than the voice of a mother to her, to her little suckling babe said, Jesus stepped out, said, Father, down there on earth, Daniel Curry stood for me. So up here, I'm going to stand for Daniel Curry. There was questions Daniel Curry didn't have the answers to, but remember one thing, Jesus is the answer. And I wonder here this morning, who on that day will have an answer step out for them? When there's questions you don't have the answer to, when your life has been stripped down and sin is all around you, if it hasn't been washed by the blood and there's spots and wrinkles and blemishes and he's saying, I require perfection. I wonder if there'll be enough on your account. I'll be, I wonder if there's enough on your, the book of life that there could be an answer to the question, step out. Say, they stood for me and right here I'll stand for them. But I wonder how, how often we push Jesus aside. And we accept the answer that Satan's been trying to give us. 
You might have come to camp with a lot of questions. But on that day, there's one thing you want to hear. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have a lot of questions coming here to this camp. Even people with the Holy Ghost, a prophet, had questions. Things he didn't understand. Why? Why did this have to happen? A man here, 38 years on a pallet. A lot of questions. No one else around him. He didn't understand. He always had to stay here. Why can't, why can't I be like everyone else? Why can't I be like the other people getting deliverance here? A lot of questions. The complex is building up inside of his heart. But on that day, when you hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, all the questions will become clear. All the questions will become clear. All the situations, the things you don't understand right now. At that moment, we'll understand it better by and by. And you might have come to camp with questions. And I want to tell you this morning, suicide is not the answer. You might have come to camp with questions. Backsliding isn't the answer. A boyfriend, a girlfriend isn't the answer. Education isn't the answer. Friendship isn't the answer. Music isn't the answer. Drugs, alcohol, those aren't the answer to the questions within your heart. Jesus is the answer. There's something within a heart of a believer that when they come to a hard question, there's something I gotta get to Solomon. Something inside of the Queen of Sheba says, I gotta get to Solomon. I got questions, I need a Solomon. There's something within the heart of a believer when they got a question, I gotta get to Jesus. Something inside a legion pull him across an ocean. There's something inside of a heart of a believer that pulled God out of heaven to die on a cross to give you the answer. Man on a pallet. Completely forgot what it was like to walk. Forgot what it was like to have deliverance. Forgot what it was like to have victory. So bound by questions and fears and distraught over what his family thought of him, what everyone else was thinking about him. No one else loves me. Suicide isn't the answer. Nothing will satisfy the question within your heart. Just one answer. Jesus Christ is the answer. As the musicians come, you might have tried alternative answers. You might have tried a lot of things. And even at this camp, some people are contemplating what answer they're going to pick. Satan would like to put other things in front of you and ask you, I'll give you friendship. I'll give you a relationship. I'll give you this pleasure. I'll give you this edge. I'll give you something. I want you to realize just one thing. Jesus is the answer. That's so simple, Brother Michael. It would dissolve a lot of doubt. Dissolve a lot of fears. It would dissolve, like Brother Bram talked about, the answer to the distress, the answer to the pressure that's built up in your mind is Jesus Christ. You can just play something, Brother Ben. You know, we're all reminded of the, the story Brother Ben tells of a little boy. He was eating the pedals off of a bicycle. Because there's something down inside of him calling out. There was something missing. There was an aching. There was, there, was, there was something inside of him that was lacking. And all he could see was the bike pedal because it had what he needed. It was the answer to the longing inside of his heart. He needed sulfur. And it wasn't the rubber that he needed on the bike. 
It wasn't the metal that he was calling for. It was a question inside of his heart. There's a longing. There's a desire for sulfur. And only that bike pedal will do. Something inside of your heart is a believer. Calling out for God. Calling out for something eternal. Calling out for answers to the situations you don't know the answers to. There's only one thing that will do. Jesus is the answer. There's a throb inside the heart of a believer. They look at that bike and... Yeah, the, the frame is so nice and it's so strong. And it's so shiny. But I gotta have that bike pedal. I gotta have that sulfur. Something in the heart of a believer. I gotta have Jesus. Yeah, I see the things of this world. Yeah, I see my, what I could become. I see my family. I see what I could have. I see the girl. I see the guy. I see the pleasure. But I gotta have that. I gotta have that bike pedal. I gotta have that sulfur. There's something inside me that calls out for Jesus. Because it's like the, that man. His name was Legion on the shores of the Gadarenes. Questions inside of his heart. And nothing else but the answer on the other side of that ocean would respond to that question. And I want to invite you here tonight to accept the answer to your question. Let's bow our heads this morning. I'm not going to have an altar call, but if there's something within your heart, you'd like to lift your hand before the Lord. Say, Lord, I have a question. I don't understand everything. The situations within my heart, my life, my family. I don't know why I'm even here. Seems like I've just been moving and going from place to place and my family's moved here recently and I just don't understand. It seems like I'm a fish out of water. Maybe you're like that man in the pool of Bethesda. I've been sitting there a long, long time. Complexes begin to develop within your heart and no one else cares for you. And the questions become so big and Satan's magnify them so much in your mind. You think you'll never get off that cot. Rise, take thy bed, and walk away. You say, why did my family have to go through that? Why did my father have to leave? Why did my mother have to leave this message? Why did my parents not understand what I'm going through? Why did they have to die? Why don't I have any friends? Why do I have to always be tempted by pornography? I can't get deliverance. Seems like I'm on this call and I can't get deliverance. Seems like I look down and there's blood and there's like legion. I just look down and I, I just, I just don't ever want to come back to this place. But yet I know I'll be dragged back to spirits, spirits of lust. Been sitting on that cot for too long. I wonder if you can change your perspective this morning. You've been sitting down so long, you forgot what it was like to stand up. Begin to feel strength in your legs. Begin to feel what it was like, a different perspective of life. A little bit higher, a little bit clearer, a little bit, a little bit stronger. And you'd like to lift up your little hand and say, God, I want to grab a hold of the answer. There was a day a prophet was lost inside of a wilderness, up on top of some mountain. He lifted up his hand and caught the answer to his question. I wonder if there'd be someone like to lift up their hand. Say, I've tried to fulfill, I've tried to put other answers inside of this question within my being. 
I'm trying to fulfill this desire. I'm trying to fulfill this. I'm trying to do it on my own. I'm trying to make up answers on myself. And I'm strong. I can do it by myself. I got the power. I have the strength. I have the mental. I can do this myself. And God's been breaking you like a prophet. He's breaking you. He's tearing your heart out because he wants you to turn to him. I wonder if we can sing that song, Peace of God, Cover Me. Peace of God, Cover Me. Let's stand to our feet. Mm, peace of God.